I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD. Episode 213 of the podcast tonight. What is going on, everybody? I am your host, RJ Carbone. Um, hope everybody's doing well. Hope everyone's having a good start to their week. As I am recording, it is a um, Tuesday night. It is a Tuesday night, February 15th, the night that the Knicks just took down the um, Atlanta Hawks at the Garden for their third victory in a row. So I hope everybody's doing well. Of course, as you are listening to this podcast, to this episode 213, it is a Wednesday. Um, this should be out by Wednesday morning, the very latest. I like to have it up early in the morning. Um, so I hope everyone's having a good start to their Wednesday morning. Hope everybody has had a good week so far. This past weekend, you know, the weekend after the Super Bowl is always a bit awkward, always a bit boring for, for some folks and, and kind of depressing. Um, but if you do, like MMA, like myself, it was a pretty fun-ass weekend, uh, at least Saturday night. Saturday was fucking legit. Listen, I thought the card for um, the week before that, you know, for the, the fight night card to uh, about, you know, the week coming up last week, last, last fucking Saturday. Um, before the Usman card. I thought that card was pretty good, and I honestly thought it was going to be better than this card. But um, pretty foolish statement now that you watched whoever, who, who, whoever did watch the, uh, what was it, 258 um, this past weekend. It was good. It was damn good. Um, fortunately, I didn't lose money this time. I actually earned some scuttle because um, I had money on that was his name uh gaslam kid he's fucking good you know i think he was uh one of the uh earlier fights on the main card and then obviously i won um with uzman who just well first of all that, that gaslam fight was good because you know the other kid looked like he he was doing what he needed to do he was attacking him he had a couple of what are those what are they called the fucking I'm no fucking MMA expert, but the, the fly, he like fucking did some spinny winny shit in the air, the flying fucking head kick, whatever you call it. I don't know. Again, I'm fairly new to MMA, but fucking he jumped up in the air and tried to kick him and shit. But Gaslam just kept fucking responding. He knew every move, every move from, um, who was he fighting? Shit. Some kid, I forget the kid's name. I know it, but I just don't, it's, it's not coming to the top of my head right now, but he was like predicting every move that was coming towards him. He was predicting it was some ninja shit and, um, he hit perfect fundamentals. He took him down and he took, and he took the, uh, he got the victory, but you went to the Usman fight, which obviously was the big fight of the night. And, um, guy didn't fucking, he, listen, it started off. He took a, a couple hits to, to the face, um, didn't like it. It pissed him off. He said after in the post-game presser, um, fucking that it, it did. It shook him a little bit. 
But from there, he just kind of attacked and attacked and attacked Usman did. And he, he kept going with the jabs. And his fucking jabs are legit. Um, I mean, there is, there is a painful. He's, he's that guy's a fucking beast. And now he's, he's entering, what is it, 13 wins in a row? You know, longest of all time, right underneath Anderson Silva. Um, just unbelievable, you know, uh, MMA fighter has been great so far in UFC. Um, so taking down, uh, fucking, what's this kid's name? I keep forgetting the fucking, you know, the Australian, is he Australian or something? Uh, Burns, Burns, taking down Burns, you know, it, it's, you know, he was emotional after it sucked because this is a good, he's a good dude on the other end. Everybody, you know, was, was expecting Usman to win, but it was an emotional one for Burns because this is a, it was a title fight and he got off to a good start. You know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity he was getting here and looked good for him at the start. But, you know, once Usman just, just put his foot on the pedal and fucking just went at him and he ended up getting him with the KO, you know, it was in the second round, third, maybe. So yeah, third round and fucking, it was good. It was it was really it was really entertaining. It wasn't just those two fights. The uh, the fight with uh, what was it Grasso and and the other chick was fun on the main card. The prelims were pretty solid as well. I liked it. I had a good time watching it. Um, so that was pretty cool. But um, I want to get into obviously some more Knicks tonight. Um, although the Yankees did make a couple of moves, they made a couple of moves. Uh, one to bring back Justin Wilson. Uh, but beforehand, you know, I think it was two days ago, they brought back, uh, or no, they brought in left-handed power bat Jay Bruce, <laughs> who I forgot was even in the league. Um, he hasn't really been relevant since maybe after his Reds days, maybe with the Indians back in 2017 when he was facing the Yankees in the postseason. Um, but yeah, he's with the Yankees now. He's he signed a minor league deal. Don't expect him to really get any time. If he does, you know, he's just like an additional depth piece, left-handed pop, occasionally pinch hits, maybe DHs for, you know, the days that Judge and Stanton need their rest, or or, or maybe he will get some time because knowing the Yankees and their injuries, he'll probably end up being a fucking everyday starter. <laughs> God, that would be bad. All right, um, let's head to our first break. No need to fuck around tonight. Um, got a lot to go over. The Knicks have been playing really great of lately, and uh, we're going to discuss that. Got to get into some things. We'll recap the last two games, right? We'll talk about the Rockets game, and then we'll talk about the most recent game against the Atlanta Hawks, both at the Garden, and uh, we'll break some things down a bit. All right, so let's head to our first break. Uh, when we get back, we'll get started. All right, let's get to it. Hey fellas, so really quick before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. 
So listen, this team's playing good. Uh, you go back to, let's see, uh, Sunday night? Yeah. No? Saturday. I think it was Saturday. Uh, where the Knicks took on the Rockets at MSG. And they, they took them down. They took them down 121 to 99. Uh, handling them pretty good. This is a Rockets team. Um, obviously, the Knicks were without Mitchell Robinson. But the Rockets were also without Christian Wood and Victor Oladipo. Um, but nonetheless, the Knicks took the victory, won by 22 points. Um, great team defense. That was the first thing I wrote down here. Uh, a defensive win. Uh, yes, the Knicks did score a ton of points, but, you know, defense won the Knicks this game. Um, one second, just trying to get my notes in order here. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, defense won the Knicks this game, and, um, you know, just, just great all around from everybody defending the perimeter pretty well, defending the in uh, the the, uh, the interior pretty solid as well. But offensively, obviously, they got a ton of contributions from everybody, really. You know, Julius Randle goes for 22-9-2. You get, you know, what we're, I guess we're donning it, Rickley now, uh, Emmanuel Quickly and Derek Rose. Uh, Rickley combining for 38 on 60% shooting, uh, going 5 for 9 from downtown together. Uh, if you want to count EP, he had 15 points on 7 of 11. Um, Noel and Taj did a nice job filling in for Mitch, going for 14, 11, two blocks combined. Um, Obi Toppin had a great game again. He goes for 13 points, I'm sorry, 11 points um, across 13 minutes. You get Reggie Bullock, obviously the nine points on three for five from distance. All of that came in the first quarter. Um, RJ and Burks, really the only two to... Uh, you know, not shoot the ball well. Um, and they were both below like 25%. So everybody except those two, everybody played well. It was a good team win. The Knicks got off to a hot start and they kind of sustained it despite some ups and downs midway. Um, but the first quarter comes, you get eight different Knicks putting points on the board. Uh, all five starters score points. You know, RJ starts out posting up. Um, Bullock gets it going later from three. He hits three consecutive three-pointers to bring the Knicks on a 9-2 run himself. You know, Randall hits him on the driving kick. Uh, you get Alfred Payton hitting him up, and then you get R.J. Barrett hitting Reggie Bullock up. Uh, this puts the Knicks up after that run, puts him up like 20-12 to 12 after 5.5, um, with 5.5 to play the first. Um, and, you know, on the on the uh, flip side, the Knicks defended the three-point arc pretty well in that first period. Uh, again, Houston just making 8 the entire game on, like, was it 16%? Uh, but in the first quarter, they were 1-for-10 from three-point distance. So, doing a really good job containing them. Uh, and they take the first quarter 30 points to 25 points for Houston. So, second quarter comes. Um, more more of the same. The Knicks keep, you know, keep putting their foots on the pedal. But the second unit comes in and the second unit does their, does their thing again. You get Derrick Rose, Emmanuel Quickly coming in and doing their shit. You know, D-Rose gets an acrobatic layup at the top of the quarter. Um, IQ gets an and one on a right-handed take. Then he throws up a floater later on. Um, you know, EP even starts hitting a couple shots. He gets like three in a row to go in. Noel gets a block. Randall hits a few shots to cap off the half. Obviously that one jumper at the buzzer. Everything going right for the Knicks. Nothing going right for Houston. So they enter the half down um, up 63 to 47. Third quarter comes. You know, I guess Houston made some adjustments. They step up their intensity on the defensive end. They force, you know, this is a Knicks team who I don't think they had a turnover in the first half. Um, maybe one, I don't remember, but 
right away the Rockets force four quick turnovers on the Knicks. Knicks get a bit sloppy. Um, the Rockets kind of get it going from the offensive standpoint. John Wall, who had 26, gets it going in transition, playing downhill, digging into his bag, hitting a couple three-point shots. Um, you know, you're thinking maybe this had something to do with the uh, the scuffle that he and Alfred Payton had, you know, exchanging some words in the first half. Um, you know, kind of fueled John Wall for 10 points there in that third period. Um, he had it going. Eric Gordon had it going, got to the free throw line a couple times, some playmaking. De uh, DeMarcus Cousins showed some flashes of his pre-washed moments. Um, so, you know, the Houston, Houston Rockets kind of going, got it going, and they pulled the lead. Uh, they cut the Nick lead down to five. Um, Tibbs adjusts. He checks in Derrick Rose, you know, for Alfred Payton around the five-minute mark. You know, maybe he wants to see what Derrick Rose looks like looks like with the with the starters because this was with Julius, RJ, and um, Noel. So you know, maybe an indicator you know, if you're positive about, about him getting the start eventually. But he comes in later on about yeah, I'd say the two minute mark. A couple minutes later, uh, IQ checks in. Rose hits up IQ for a three pointer. Uh, IQ then hits another three-pointer to cap off the third period. 30 seconds later, the Knicks enter the fourth, up 87-75. to 75. So still up pretty decently. Uh, the fourth quarter, pretty much the Knicks just putting the game away. Quickly, Rose kept it going. Second unit looked fantastic. Um, you know, for the cherry on top, Knox gets a throwdown. He gets some garbage minutes. And uh, and then that lob, that Knox lob to Obi was fucking beautiful. Um, you want to see them two play more. Uh, and the Knicks end up winning by 22. So it, it was a good win. Um, you know, an offensive onslaught for the Knicks um, and a defensive, you know, a good defensive game too. Uh, Randall and IQ, they lead the way with 22 points apiece. You get Julius with nine rebounds. You get RJ with five assists. Um, and those were your offensive numbers for the Knicks. So a good win. Once again, 121 to 99. Game two. Uh, this... Or game two, uh, game fucking what, fourteen and fifteen, game twenty nine, game twenty nine of the season. Um, the Knicks defeat the Atlanta Hawks at MSG. This was awesome. Yeah, another offensive onslaught, a legit fucking offensive onslaught. Um, not quite the defensive performance, but the Knicks have it going offensively. They shoot a fifty one percent, fifty percent, eighty two percent shooting slash across the board. Fucking obviously, it's, it's Julius Randle leading the way, and we're gonna get to uh, to all this in a second. We're just gonna break the game down real quick. Randle goes for 44 points, nine rebounds, five assists, on 64% from the field, and he hits seven three pointers on 13 attempts. Um, just on fire all night. RJ Barrett, good bounce back. 21 points, six rebounds, three assists, three for three from three point distance. Uh, Manual quickly, 16 points, 4 for 8, 3-point shooting, uh, 4 for 4, free throw shooting, and 5 assists. Derrick Rose, 8 points, 3 boards, 3 assists, um, but also 2 blocks. And uh, you had Noel. Well, the numbers didn't look incredible, but you know 3 blocks, 2 steals, and a plus 17, um, which was a team high along with Randall. So his impact was really, in my opinion, he was the player of the game. Fucking outside of Julius, obviously. Um, you know, there's your co-player of the game right there. You know, you, you watch this game. He was incredible. 
especially in the third period, which we'll get to. But um, to start this one out in the first quarter, um, again, the Knicks hot offensively. RJ is aggressive out of the gate. You could tell he was going to be on this game. He just looked much more energetic. Um, he attacked the rim for a couple of free throws. Um, later on, about not even 30 seconds later, hits a 17-footer. So he's aggressive out the gate. He ends up with eight points in that first quarter, doesn't miss a shot. Um, but after RJ starts the game off of the Knicks, that's when Julius starts to cook. And he gets 17 points in that first quarter alone. Uh, puts the Knicks up 13 near the end of the quarter. Uh, obviously before Trey Young banks that one uh, one shot in. But, you know, Knicks played great offensively. Uh, defensively, the Knicks were playing good in that first. They were switching on, uh, on ball screens except for when the center was involved. So it was a pretty conservative scheme they had going, but it was working for them. And um, they ended up you know, going into the second with 39 points on almost 70% shooting, uh, a couple ticks below, and they were 6 for 8 from 3. So a good two-way um, first quarter for the Knicks. Uh, second quarter comes, you know, second and third quarter, really. The Hawks start clapping back. Uh, they start out the second, really throughout the entire second quarter, just some hot shooting, um, playing really good in transition, getting some absolute bullshit whistles, uh, which, oof, you know, Trey Young and his bullshit, man, it, it's hard to watch. It's like Harden, really is. Um, you know, we did see some Obi Randall small ball, you know, once Taj and Noel uh, later in the in the quarter uh, were on the bench with foul trouble. We got some Obi Randall four five action. Um, Worked well, you know, uh, but the Knicks were struggling mostly in that second period. Entering the half down, uh, I'm sorry, up only three points, 66-63. So a slower second. Third quarter comes, and here we go. Hawks keep it going. and They, they just storm out of the gate, and they get off to a 9 nothing run, putting the Knicks down 72-66 in Atlanta's favor there. Um, just looked very sluggish. The starters didn't look like they had that energy in the first half. Um, but, you know, Tom Thibodeau stuck with them, and you got to give him credit because it worked. Um, there were some bad moments, but, you know, the one where fucking Nerlens Noel dropped a, an easy pass, I think, from Julius, um, that was just so infuriating. But he made up for it, right? Um, first off, Randall gets a driving layup to go, then hits back-to-back three-pointers, you know, midway through the third period. And then Noel with a fucking... <laughs> Yeah, it looked like in the first quarter tonight, Noel was about to take a three-pointer. He hesitated. He looked like he was about to take it. You know, Frazier even called him out on it. He was like, oh, is he going to take that? But he didn't. He looked like he was about to take it. But, you know, in the third quarter, he gets like a 16-footer to go. You know, one of those, oh, no, 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 yes, yes kind of shots. And he gets it to go. Follows that up with a big steal on Trey Young. Then gets two blocks in a row. You know, one on Quitter is his name? I don't fucking know. And then another on uh, Skyler Mays. This starts to, you know, some fast break opportunities for the Knicks. Um, RJ doesn't convert on one of those layups, but the second block eventually ends up in EP's hand. He hits a layup, and, you know, this kind of sparks the Knicks. You get nine straight points from Alfred Payton there, and the Knicks end up entering the fourth quarter up 95-90. to 90, So, back in the lead. Um, fourth quarter comes, and just a, a barrage of clutch baskets from New York here. Um, you get Emmanuel quickly with a three ball at the top of the period. Always does that. Always feel like he does that. 
He's a fourth quarter guy, but I always feel like he's the first one to make a shot in the fourth. And it's always a three-point shot from like 30 feet away. So he puts the Knicks up eight points at the top of the, top of the, at the, top of the period. Fucking the Hawks kind of crawl back a bit, but Emmanuel quickly pulls up from the fucking chase logo and drills another three-point shot going downhill. 104 to 100 Knicks. Um, then you get the RJ Barrett, you know, three-point makes. A couple of, you know, a pair of threes from RJ. Um, moving beautifully off the ball on um, one of them where, you know, it leads to a catch and shoot from IQ on the driving kick. Uh, this puts the Knicks up 107-102 with about five minutes to go. Another one came off a catch and shoot from Julius Randle driving, uh, putting the Knicks up 115-107 with about two and a half to play. Um, and then Randle himself obviously hitting the fucking, the good night all-star step back to, to really seal the deal. Um, with about a minute and a half to put the Knicks at 117-109. Uh, you know, they eventually go on to win. Just just an amazing win. You know, really energetic win that these past couple nights, but especially tonight, would have had the, the garden rocking. I mean, everybody would have fucking went nuts for this. Um, uh, so I'm excited for, for the garden to be packed again in about a week from now. So that's going to be, or not packed, but, you know, having some kind of crowd. Um, that's going to be fun, though. Uh, so an amazing win. You know, the, the, the fucking... You know, one of the things I've noticed, just the camaraderie with this team is just amazing. You know, there is this one, you know, if you watched it, uh, not even like, it was like right after the game when they, uh, you know, usually pan to Rebecca to do the uh, the post-game interview. You had fucking, uh, it was like RJ, uh, IQ, and fucking uh, motherfucking uh, Theo Pinson. To uh, all gathered around the fucking uh, the mic with Julius to do the post game interview. There's a clip when they were all together. Points, five more assists. Well, there's a there's a number of players waiting to be part of the post game interview. Let's let's go to Rebecca this man right is not now. All story is a problem. Oh, oh yes, that's right, Mike. Uh, Julius's no, 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 teammates. No, 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 no. This is all story. Right I just want to go home. Love it, man. I love it. I, I just I loved it. You know, it just again, it just shows you how much this team likes playing with each other. You know, they really like each other. The chemistry is great, not just on the court, but. They like each other as a unit. They're they're buddies with everybody. You know, even Theo Pinson, fucking this guy is is like, you know, if there's a bench man of the year award, it's fucking him. You know, he's our Udonis Aslam. That's who he is. He's he's I've never seen a man so happy to sit on the bench forty eight minutes a game and clap his hands. He's our little cheerleader and I fucking love shit like that. It's important. You know, it doesn't go on the stat sheets, obviously. It doesn't fucking play, but it's important to have that kind of unit who's so close to each other and so connected. And I feel like, you know, the Knicks have been, if there's one thing you can credit the Knicks for doing these last couple of seasons, it's, it's, it's they do like each other. They've always liked each other. This core, this unit does like each other. It's not just this season, but, you know, you can see under Tom Thibodeau, the, the effort is starting to transition onto the court too. You know, they're playing hard every single night. This team is no longer fucking slouching. You know, they don't play stupid basketball anymore. Do they have their moments? Yes. But they play fucking 
hard for Tom Thibodeau. He's got them turning around and playing defense. They're they're a top three team in defense. Some would say first. You look at the stats they showed earlier in the game, you know, defensive points per game, they're number one. Defensive rating, they're number three. So they are a good, good, good unit defensively. They will put in their effort. And, um, you know, offensively, we've got our issues, but lately it's been coming around with D Rose. It seems to unlock a lot of opportunities here for the offense. And it's a fun team, you know, almost to a point where I'm starting to, to do that thing, which I hate doing, where I wrongfully look ahead way too far ahead. Um, do I even mention the P word? But I'm thinking of, I, I was thinking of like these fake scenarios where we're at MSG. And it's like the fourth quarter of a fucking playoff game. And, and we're just going nuts again. And I'm having flashbacks back to 2013 when I went to the Knicks Celtics playoff game. One of them. It's, I don't want to do it. I don't want to start making up playoff scenarios here. But man, you can't help but to think of how fun this would fucking be. Especially if we can continue to have fans in the seats. You know, following next week. Oh man. This team, we need this, man. New Yorkers need this fucking shit. I mean, come on. We're, 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 what, 14 and 15? I mean, come on. We didn't win our 14th game in... Uh, I don't even... Uh, it's forever. You know, we were 4 and 22, 5 and 25. I mean, we were really pathetic last year. It wasn't even close. This year, we're finally learning how to win and develop at the same time. Are there things I'd like to see Tom Thibodeau do more in favor of the youth? Absolutely. But he's, at least we're getting, you know, a big season from R.J. Barrett. We were getting a big season from Mitchell Robinson before the injury. He's turned around Julius Randle. He's, you know, found a way to have IQ and Derrick Rose coexist. You know, we're fucking doing really good here, winning and growing our rookies and sophomores, you know, and, and, and third-year players too. So I like it. I like it. You know, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but man, it would be nice. So we can only hope that the Knicks keep winning. And as a bonus, if the Dallas Mavericks keep being inconsistent and losing, I think right now they're a lottery team. So fucking, you know, that's huge. We can get their pick. You know, knock on wood, we don't do anything fucking stupid at the deadline. We're going to talk about the deadline a bit more later. Um, but it's looking good for our sake. Uh, we got to keep playing this way. We have a, a softer schedule ahead with more winnable games. Don't like to say that, knock on wood there too. But we keep playing hard, keep playing smart like we are. Things are looking up. Um, I, I loved the, the closing lineup tonight too. Speaking of my... my you know, the, my um, nitpicky criticisms of Tom Thibodeau, I, I do want to credit him when I when he needs to get credit. And tonight he closed with the five guys you really want to see close with right now. Um, You know, he had Rickley out there in the backcourt with, with IQ and, and Rose. Um, and then you had RJ, Julius, and Noel, three, four, five. So that was huge. I, I love that lineup. You know, the way specifically IQ and Rose play off of each other is is so great. It's so fantastic to see them both coexist so well right now. Um, yeah, I know, I know it's only a handful of games, um, and I've got my concerns. But, 
you know, Rose is coming in here and he doesn't seem to be taken away from the younger players. He's only trying to benefit them, right? He's he's not trying to one-up anybody. Um, he's coming in as a vet and he's letting them get their shine too. You know, he's obviously a player who thrives best with the ball in his hands, but we've seen them so far coexist. And there were moments tonight where, you know, ATL was, their defense was pressuring Derrick Rose. So what the Knicks did was they slid him up to the two. They had him play off the ball and they put IQ on the ball. So, you know, listen, if we keep winning like this, keep competing, let IQ do his, do his you know, combo guard shit, right? Let him do it. Fuck it. You know, of course I would prefer... You know, I was saying earlier, it'd be nice if Derrick Rose could get 25-30 minutes as a starter, and then IQ could get 25-30 minutes as the backup lead guard. Um, this way, you could just eliminate Peyton, or just limit him to 10 minutes, 12 minutes, whatever, and you have you have IQ come off the bench, which you could eventually you you could you could if IQ comes off the bench and you have D Rose starting, you could mix IQ in with D Rose. Play him at the fucking two. You could, you know, experiment with IQ and Rose together. And then you can have IQ do his thing at the one without D-Rose. You can be versatile that way. If you take Peyton out of this rotation, it brings so much more versatility to this lineup and flexibility for Tom Thibodeau here. But, um, you know, I'm not going to complain right now because Peyton is playing less poor. Um, he's playing decent, you know. But... You know, it's when he regresses back to his usual self. You want to hope that eventually IQ and Rose aren't splitting minutes between the with Alfred Payton. Right now, it's it's kind of like split even. You know, they're each getting about twenty to twenty five. You know, they're, they're sharing the minutes between the three. Eventually, I would like IQ and Rose to get about twenty five to thirty, and EP limited to ten to fifteen. Something like that. Because I know that Tom Thibodeau is not going to completely take away Alfred Payton's minutes. He's 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 a Payton guy. So, um, you know, right now we aren't going to complain. I just love the way that, that Rose and IQ play together. They have unlocked a lot, obviously, in Obi Toppin. Um, I like the way they play with R.J. Barrett. Um you know, RJ and Rose had an assist together tonight. That was cool to see. Um, they obviously play well with Mitchell Robinson, but Noel's here right now. But Noel and Taj have, have done a serviceable job. Not much from Taj tonight, but Noel specifically, you know, so far he's been good. You know, I know I was really getting on him earlier in the season. Um, rightly so. But um, he, he's turned it around. He's defending the rim pretty well. Multiple blocks per game. He's one of the league leaders in blocks, despite the minutes not being, you know, so large. Um, he's a better screen setter. You know, Mitch has had his issues with the screens, kind of lazy. You know, I've always had my issues with Mitch when it comes to setting picks. But Noel's a really good screen setter. You give him that. Uh, you're not going to get as many rebounds. You know, he's not the tank that Mitch is in the offensive glass. He doesn't have that length that Mitch has. Not as athletic as Mitchell Robinson. Um, you know, Mitch is a you know, otherworldly athlete. Um, and, and obviously you're getting some less offense, but, you know, considering he's a fill-in, he's doing a credible job so far filling in for Mitch. And, and Taj, Taj too, you know, he positions himself well on the defensive end of the floor. Not going to be that rim protector that Noel is, but, you know, kind of bring you, you know, brings you an occasional pick and pop. Um, he passes the ball pretty fairly well, you know, fairly well. 
Um, he's, he's serviceable. You know, he's, he's not a bad, you know, third string big. So, um, speaking of bigs, again, Obi, Obi was quiet tonight, but lately, you know, he, he's playing well. You know, I, I think he needs more minutes now that Mitchell Robinson's out. I would like to see, again, more small ball five. Um, if Obi could get at least 20, 25 minutes tonight, that would be huge. 20 minutes I'll take because it's kind of hard to, to find him 25 when Randall's playing so well. Um, but now that Mitch is out on the floor, who knows? You know, maybe you see more Obi playing in the small ball lineups that we want to see more. Um, you know, fucking him and Knox. I want to see them in, in, at the 4-5. That would be a pretty cool tandem to, to experiment with. You know, um, get Knox back into the rotation. You know, I don't understand why we just excluded him all of a sudden. It's kind of, I know he was struggling for a bit, but he had a decent start to the year doing his catch-and-shoot shtick from the corner. Um, but, I, you know, I really think IQ rose the way they can create play at a high tempo pace and um, just distribute and facilitate for everybody else. They play really well and they unlock the potential in a lot of players. And obviously Obi Toppin without Austin Rivers, you know, with Rivers kind of out of the rotation now, it's kind of easier for Toppin to thrive, right? Because when you had Rivers out there, he'd often shrug him off, completely ignore him. It's like he didn't even know he fucking existed at times. But you got Obi Toppin now playing with Rosen IQ, and he's getting more cuts. You know, he's getting more opportunities on the lob. Some spot-ups here from deep as well. Um, so you like what you're seeing there. But um, we're going to head to break, and when we get back, man, we, we got to start talking about Julius Randle. All right? We've got to start talking about Julius a little more here because I need to give some credit. I need to, um, you know. I need to fucking apologize is what I need to do. So we'll be right, we'll be right, we'll be right back, and uh, we're gonna hit on Julius for a bit. You know, man, he has been so good this season. It's crazy because, you know, they're, they're, I don't want to fucking, like, sound like I'm kissing his ass all of a sudden because I shit on him all of last year. You know, but I did say, you know, I said you give this guy a decent head coach, you know, he's gonna, there's a chance he becomes more of an efficient player. And we're seeing that right now. We're seeing Tom Thibodeau has obviously turned this guy from, you know, empty production type of guy to a meaningful statistic. These stats are meaningful now. It's not just stat padding. It's not just random empty stats. He's really doing legit shit this season. You know, these numbers, 23 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists are not fake. And what's more impressive to me you know, then the counting stats is the efficiency line, the shooting splits. You know, he's 48% from the floor, 41% from three-point distance, making almost two per game, and 80% at the free throw stripe. So the numbers all across the board are drastically increased from last season. I mean, shit. 
he's playing defense too. You know, he's got that defense to at least average where he's he's a leader out there. You know, he's really been good. You know, he's really been a strong leader on this team, and and he's playing like an all star. He's in better shape this season. He's making smarter and quicker decisions with the ball in his hand, better passing, um, smarter shots, looking like mellow at times in the, in the you know on the elbow, fucking really doing some good shit. And talk about being an all-star, you know, the reserves or the potential reserves are obviously Zach Levine, um, Bam Adebayo, and then Julius Randle. Randle's the only one out of those three who isn't on a lottery team at the moment. He's on a team who is, I'm pretty sure the Knicks are the sixth seed heading for, they're trending upwards too. I mean, what he's doing, 23, listen, 23, 11, and 6 at the power forward spot. Do I dare say the three letters? Do I dare? We're talking about all-star. But do I dare say he should at least be in consideration to be in the conversation for those three letters? I'm not even going to say those three letters because uh, it sounds crazy to say. So I'm not even going to say it. I'm just going to let you figure out what I'm talking about here. And I'm pretty sure you know what I'm talking about. But, you know, there are other players who obviously are going to win it. He's not going to win that three-letter thing. But he should... Hey, if he could... If he keeps putting up 23-11-6 and the Knicks keep winning and they make the playoffs, why can't he at least be mentioned, I don't know, top 10 in that conversation? Right? How many guys are averaging 20-10-5? You want to know something crazy? I fucking saw something on Twitter and it was a verified account. It was a legit stat. There's only one other player in NBA history. This is fucking nuts to me. Really nuts. It stood out so much. I was like, what the fuck? There's only one other player in NBA history who dropped 20-10-5 in a season on 40% three-point shooting. You know his name? Larry Legend. Larry Bird. That's the only other player in NBA history who finished the season 20-10-5, 40% three-point. And Julius is doing that right now. So fuck the All-Star. He's obviously an All-Star player. If you don't think he's an All-Star, you got to go watch another sport. Can we at least say he's he should be mentioned in the top 10 conversation for you know what? I mean, hey, I I'm I'm not saying it, but I'm also not not I'm also not saying it. I'm also not not saying it. All right? I'm not saying it, but I'm not not saying it either. That's where I'm going there. <laughs> but seriously, you talk Listen, that award is is about you know, where would that team be without that said player? Where would the Knicks be without Julius fucking Randall? They're 14 and 15. He's played in every game. You take him off the seam and you replace him with an average player. Okay? So somebody, what, who scores 10 points and, and rebounds four times or whatever. Whatever the fucking average player would do. The Knicks aren't 14 and 15. They're fucking... 10 and motherfucking... 25 or, or no, they're worse than that. They're five and 25, maybe six and 26 or six and 24. They're not good. They're not good. And they are way worse. So I'm not saying I, I'm not saying it, but I am not, not saying it either. 
Just think about it. Just think about it. Just look at the list. Look at all the players in that conversation. Compare them to Julius and, and tell me that he shouldn't at least be mentioned in the top 10 for those three letters that I'm not even going to mention. So, just saying. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of really good players, R.J. Barrett. Um, last couple games, you know, obviously heading into tonight, he, he's kind of been sluggish. He's kind of been slow, not really getting his, his rhythm. But, you know, maybe he was a bit gassed. You know, he, he some people were saying he was hurt, but I, I don't know. I saw his leg wrapped and on the sideline or some shit. I don't know. But, you know, wasn't really getting minutes. Tom Thibodeau was shying away from him down the stretch for a veteran, Alec Burks, who was also struggling. So that was kind of... I didn't like that. I would prefer RJ still get minutes regardless of if he's struggling or not. He's a young player who you need to play. But whatever, because he, he bounced back tonight, right? He had 21 points tonight, um, 8 of 14 shooting, hit all three three-pointers. Um, he's playing well all season. He's really had a good season, you know. He was... I looked at the numbers just before I hit record tonight on the podcast he was 18.5% from three-point distance um, across the first 12 games of the season. Since then, he's over 40%. Over 40%. So from 18% to over 40% since from three-point distance. So he's got the overall three-point percentage up to 30%, which is obviously still bad. But considering where he was earlier in the year, he has been steadily improving from distance. And hes it, it's so important, right? When he's hitting those open triples, those timely three-point shots, it opens up so much offensively for the New York Knicks. He's got a pretty versatile game offensively outside that, right? He Obviously, he's great with the ball in his hands, slashing to the rim, driving on the ball. Loves to bulldoze. Good left-handy. Uh, left-handed, good fucking left-handed uh, finisher. Has improved with his right. He can go right now. He can draw the foul. He can fucking hit the mid-range. That's his bread and butter. He's got, you know, he's got the post game. He loves to run in transition. He's a pretty versatile offensive player. And obviously, he can rebound. He's given you rebounds, and he can pass the ball. Listen, he's dropping 17, 6, and 3 this year. He's having a good, solid sophomore season. I mean, I'm impressed with R.J. Barrett. I'm really impressed with him this year. I'm, that's why I'm never... Listen, I was a bit conflicted with him earlier in the season. I got to admit, you know, that the three ball specifically was looking pitiful. It looked like it was never going to go in. But he started playing to his strengths more. He started taking less threes, and he's not forcing it anymore. He's only averaging three three-pointers a game. He's taking the open ones, again, the timely ones, and he's doing most of his damage where he usually thrives, modeling his game after the DeMar DeRozans of the world, the Jimmy Butlers of the world, guys like that who don't abuse the three-point shot because they know that's their biggest weakness. And they're more efficient when they shoot it because they're doing it smarter. And he's not taking it in heavy doses like he was earlier in the season. A couple 0 for 6s versus Philly from downtown. He had the 0 for 8 versus Toronto. He's not forcing it right now. He's taking the ones where he's open, off the catch and shoot, efficient ones. 
RJ's been good. I am very impressed with RJ Barrett. The field goal percentage is climbing up overall. Everything is trending upwards. He's obviously making the free throws this season. Uh, he's in a good spot. He's in a very solid spot. I wish the Knicks would still feature him a bit more. I don't love how Alfred Payton over the last month or so is getting about the same amount of shot attempts in a lot of these games. Don't know the number to that, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just speaking off the top of my head from just from watching these games. Just too many shots from EP, but he still had a solid improvement, and uh, I'm impressed with RJ Barrett. Uh, what else do I have here? Everybody's been everybody's been really good. You know, talk about Randall, All Star. The other three letters too. Talk about RJ. Um, Mitch obviously is hurt, but Noel and Taj are doing a good job filling in. We'd like to see more Obi and Knox now that Mitch is out. Um, Bullock. Bullock's like their first quarter guy. He's their fire starter. And then he just... He unloads in the first, and then he's just dog shit the rest of the way. Who just plays defense and doesn't do much. Um, Alec Burks has kind of been underwhelming, to be honest with you. I was hoping he'd be a bit more for the Knicks this year. He's just way too inconsistent. Um, but outside of, you know, those couple of flaws from a couple of guys, the Knicks have really, really fucking played well. And so we're coming up on, what, February? What's tomorrow? As you're listening to this, tomorrow is today. So February 7th, uh, 16th. So the trade deadline is, is in March, right? Sometime in March, I'm going to say. Where is it? Yeah, I think it's March. Because they pushed it back this year since the season was delayed a couple months. Um, I don't, again, we talked about this before, but I would just prefer the Knicks stand pat here and, and, and don't really try to fuck around. If you make any moves, make sure they're small moves, right? Small moves for wings or guards who can shoot the ball, who can move without the ball in their hands and play well without dominating possessions. Guys like that. You know, spot-up shooters who don't over-dribble because we have enough shot-creating slashers. Um, I think if we're going to make any moves, just, just some small ones like that. But I just prefer we stick with what we have. You know, what we have is, is a team with, again, good chemistry. You don't want to mess with anything. They're, they're flowing well right now. Um, we've heard the fucking Bradley Beal rumors. Too pricey, too risky for me. In a season that's going really good for the Knicks... Trending in the right direction. You don't want to make you don't want to make that gigantic move just to, to for it to maybe not work out. You know it's gonna cost a fucking haul. It is way too pricey to take that risk right now. You know it's gonna cost the fucking GM of the Wizards. Forget his name was saying earlier he wants a ton of picks. He wants a ton of first round picks. So it's gonna cost the Knicks at least at least three first round picks. In addition to that, it'll probably cost one of R.J. Barrett or maybe Randall or Mitch. So one of those three, three first-rounders, and maybe like a Knox and more. It's going to cost a fuck. It's Bradley Beal. He's leading the NBA in scoring with like 35. He's going to cost a ton of fucking money. A ton of uh, money. A ton of fucking uh, assets. It's, it's not going to be a pretty price you're going to have to pay. It's going to be a Nets thing where you're going to have to gut your entire roster and let it be known that the Knicks have way less than depth than the Nets did. So that's going to bring Wizard, uh, Wizards Beal into another Wizards situation where he's not surrounded with much and the Knicks might even win less games with him than they have right now because at least they have a bunch of guys who are contributing 
if you just get Beal, you're getting one guy and then surrounded by maybe one other good player and then a bunch of, you know, low rotation guys. Low end of the rotation guys. It's, it's, I wouldn't take that risk right now. I wouldn't do it. And same, same goes for Zach Levine. I know that's been a big name floating around there as well. I would just stick with the draft. Keep building through the draft. Go after free agents in the offseason. You know, nothing crazy. Just keep doing what you're doing. Don't leverage your entire future for, for that one big name and kind of make that mellow mistake again. You know, keep building. Try building a foundation here. You know, it's working well right now. Don't fuck with it. Just keep going. I've heard the Mo Bamba trade rumors. I I don't understand that one. You know, we have three bigs. We don't need another big. Um, Noel, again, Noel and Taj are playing pretty well right now for us. Bamba is more of a, of a, he's a young kid. He's more of a core piece. You add, you're trying to build towards your future. Uh, he's a pick you don't make if you have Mitchell Robinson on your roster and the Knicks do. So, you know. I'm all right there. Um, but yeah, just just small shit. Just stick with the small shit. Don't fucking do anything dumb. And if you're going to do anything, wings, guards who can shoot. Spot up guys. You know. Bring back Dotson. <laughs> but yeah, at the end of the day, man, it's, it's looking pretty good for the Knicks, right? The Knicks are six in the East. They, they've got all their draft picks, seven over the last four, over the next four years. They got a ton of cap flex. They good young core who like each other. You know, a sound front office, hell of a head coach. That's how you build a culture, folks. That is how you build a culture. So I am impressed with the Knicks so far this season. They are doing a whole lot more than I thought they would. Um, I'm really intrigued to see how this to see where this goes. You know, obviously people were talking Julius Randle. Do we trade him? I was all on that Randall trade trade boat earlier in the year, man. Not going to lie to you guys. You know that. Especially after we drafted Obi. But now it's kind of getting interesting, right? Now it's kind of getting really interesting. For this season, man, I think you got to keep the guy. At least this season, you got to keep him. See where you go. You're, you're way too in it now. The Knicks are in too deep to just fucking give up on contending and just trade Randall and get... Eh. I know it might get them a couple of firsts, and that's really tempting. Um, you have to think. You have to. You have to take offers at least. At least pick up the phone if you're Leon Rose, Scott Perry. You're picking up the phone this this deadline for sure. Um, but if the offer is not out of this world, great. You've got to keep Randall and, and keep going with, with with what you have, you know. And and if he continues this play, this elite level play that nobody but Larry Bird can do. Then you fucking, you think about, you pick up the option, but you think about extending them and making it part of your building block. And if you do that, I know we're jumping way too far ahead here, but if you do that, what are we doing here with Obi Toppin? Is he going to be part of a package? There's a lot to consider. And right now though, again, I don't want to jump too far ahead. Right now, I think we should all just sit back and enjoy the show. The Knicks are 14 and 15. We're, we're getting some fans back into the garden. We're sixth in the East, and things are really looking up. So that's pretty much our show tonight, guys. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, to BD4, be sure to subscribe right now. Just go to my website. Go to, um, you know, if you want to find 
where to find all the podcast feeds and where to follow me on social media and where to read my blog, just go to my link tree. It'll have links to all that shit. So go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Um, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode 213 of BD4. Um, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Hope everybody is doing well. Um, so we're going to wrap this one up as soon as we finish the NYY NYK question of the day, which we're going to get to once we get back from break. All right, so last time out, in episode 212, our NYY, NYK question of the day was, how many rebounds did Carmelo Anthony have in his 62-point game? And the answer to that question, how many rebounds did Carmelo Anthony have in his 62-point game? 13. It was a double-double. He had 13 rebounds that night. That was the answer to our episode uh, to episode 212's NYY NYK question of the day. Um, this episode, episode 213, our NYY NYK question of the day, sponsored, brought to you by Anchor. The best way to make a podcast, you can go to Anchor.fm or download the Anchor app. Is Gotta let it come across the screen here because I actually forgot what it was. Um, here we go. When was the last time the Knicks had two All-Stars or more on their roster? So when was the last time the Knicks had more than one All-Star on their roster? And there's the second part to this question. Who were they? Alright, so one last time. When, as in what year, was the last time the Knicks had at least two All-Stars on their roster. And who were they? Right, so this year, we probably just have one. Hopefully he gets into. But um, yeah, so when was the last time the Knicks had at least two All-Stars on their roster? And who were they? So message me the answer to that NYYMYK question of the day brought to you by Anchor. Message me on uh, social media. Or you can just comment once I publish the promo to this podcast and, and the link. So um, let me know the answer on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Again, if you haven't subscribed to the BD4, uh, to BD4, be sure to subscribe to the podcast right now. Go to my website. To find my website, just go to my link tree, linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That'll take you to a page that displays all my information. Guys, thanks so much. I appreciate it so much. Um, and I'll see you in the next one. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I'll, uh, we'll see you in fucking, uh, let's see. When's, I, I got to figure out the schedule. I don't even know when the next game is, but... um. I don't know. I'll see you next time this week. Sometime this week. I think it's uh, maybe maybe uh, Friday? I don't know. Gotta see who they play. I don't even know who they play next, when they play next, but it's looking good. The Knicks are 14 and 15 and they're 6 in the East. Life is good right now. We'll see what happens as we progress. Alright guys, I'll see you next time. Ciao.
This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.